are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 331, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 464 to 472. 464. Moved to great pity, because, having engendered them in Christ, she was now obliged to relinquish them as orphans. She took leave of them. They all prostrated themselves at her feet with great wailing and abundant tears. For now they were to lose in one moment the consolation, the refuge, and the joy of their heart. But on the account of the continued solicitude of the Most Blessed Mother for her devout congregation, all the seventy-three afterwards persevered in the fear of God and the faith of Christ our Lord. Yet the demon raised up violent persecutions against them and against the inhabitants at Ephesus. Foreseeing this, the prudent queen fervently prayed for them before leaving, and asked her divine son to guard and preserve them, and to appoint some angels for the defense of this small flock. All this the Lord granted her according to her wish, and she afterwards often consoled them by sending exhortations from Jerusalem, and by charging the disciples and apostles at Ephesus to watch over these virgins and retired women. The great lady continued this loving care during her whole life. 465. When the day of departure arrived, the humblest of the humble asked St. John for his blessing, and with it they betook themselves to the ship, having remained in Ephesus two years and a half. On leaving their dwelling, all her thousand angels manifested themselves in visible forms, but all of them were armed for battle and formed into squadrons. This unwanted sight gave her to understand that she was to be prepared to continue her conflict with the great dragon and his allies. Before reaching the sea, she saw a great multitude of the infernal legions, meeting her in various dreadful and terrific shapes. In the midst of them came a dragon with seven heads, so horrible and huge as to exceed the size of a large ship, and so fierce and abominable as to cause torment by its mere presence. Against these formidable hosts, the invincible queen fortified herself by the most firm faith and fervent love, 
repeating the words of the Psalms and the sayings from the mouth of her Most Holy Son. She ordered her holy angels to assist her, for those terrific shapes naturally inspired her with some human dread and horror. The evangelist knew nothing of this conflict until the heavenly lady afterwards informed him and gave him an insight into it. 466. Our blessed lady embarked with the saint, and the ship's sails were set, but it had proceeded only a short distance from the port, with those dragons of hell making use of the permission given them, stirred up the sea by a tempest such as had not been seen before that time until now. For the Almighty wished to exalt the power of his arm and the holiness of Mary, and therefore he permitted such liberty to the malice and the powers of the demons in this battle. The waves rose with terrific roarings, piling themselves upon the winds and apparently even upon the very clouds, forming with them mountains of water and foam, as if they were preparing for an onset to break the bounds of the abysses that imprisoned the ocean. Psalm 13.9 The ship was lashed and battered to and fro, and it seemed a miracle that it was not shattered to splinters at each shock. Sometimes it was hurled up into the clouds, at others sent to the plow up the sand of the ocean's abysses. Often its sails and masts were buried in the foaming waves. During some of the onsets of this unspeakably furious hurricane, the ship was held in the air by the angels in order to save it from some of the vaster billows, which would inevitably have overwhelmed and sent it to the bottom. 467. The mariners and passengers perceived the effects of this assistance, but remained ignorant of the cause. In their distress they were besides themselves, bewailing their ruin which they deemed inevitable. The demons added to their terror, for assuming human shapes, they loudly called upon the mariners, as if from neighboring ships, sent to their aid and urged them to forsake their ship and save themselves in the others. For though all the vessels suffered in this storm, yet the wrath of the demons and their power of doing harm was confined principally to the ship on which Our Lady sailed, and the distress and peril of the other vessels was not so great. The malicious designs of the demons were known only to the most blessed virgin and not to the sailors, and therefore they believed these voices as of true passengers and sailors. Thus deceived, they at times gave up caring for their own ship and left it to the fury of the sea, expecting to save themselves on one of the other ships. But the angels supplied their place, directing and steering it when the sailors gave up in despair to the destruction of the waves. 468. In the midst of this confusion and distress, the Most Holy Mary preserved her tranquility, serenely borne up by the ocean of her magnanimity and virtue, but at the same time practicing all the virtues by acts heroic in proportion to the exigencies of the occasion and the dictates of her wisdom, as during this tempestuous voyage she personally experienced the dangers of navigation, which she had understood on the, her former voyage by divine inspiration. She was moved to new compassion for all voyagers at sea and renewed her former prayers and petitions. The most prudent virgin also admired the indomitable forces of the sea and was led to consider the wrath of divine justice and so well represented by this insensible creature. 
and passing from these considerations to that of the sins of mortals, who drew it upon themselves from the Almighty, she entered into the most ardent prayers for the conversion of the world and the increase of the church. For this she offered up the hardships of this voyage, since, notwithstanding the tranquility of her soul, she suffered much bodily inconvenience, and still greater affliction at the thought that her fellow voyagers were made to suffer this persecution and tribulation of the demons on her account. 469. A large share of this suffering fell to the evangelist St. John on account of his deep solicitude for his true mother and mistress of the world. To this was added his own actual suffering. All was so much the more dreadful to him, because at that time he did not know what was passing in the interior of the Most Blessed Virgin. He sought a few times to console her and console himself by assisting and comforting her. Although the voyage from Ephesus to Palestine usually lasted only about six days, this one lasted fifteen, of which fourteen were tempestuous. One day St. John was very much disheartened at the continuance of this measureless hardship, and no longer able to restrain himself, said, My lady, what is this? Are we to perish at sea? Beseech thy divine Son to look upon us with the eyes of a father, and to defend us in this tribulation. The Blessed Mother answered him, Do not be disturbed, my son. For we must now fight the battles of the Lord and overcome his enemies by fortitude and patience. I shall beg of him that no one who is with us shall perish, and that he sleep not, who watches over Israel. Psalm 74. The strong ones of his court assist us and defend us. Let us suffer for him who placed himself upon the cross for the salvation of all. At these words, St. John recovered the necessary courage. 470. Lucifer and his demons, with increasing fury, threatened the powerful queen by telling her that she would perish in the sea and not escape alive. But these and other threats were but spent arrows, and the most prudent mother despised them, not even listening to them or looking upon the demons or speaking to them a single word. They themselves, on the other hand, could not bear even to glance at her face on account of the virtue of the Most High, shining from it. And the more they strove to overcome this virtue, the weaker they became." and the more were they tormented by those offensive weapons with which the Lord had clothed his most holy mother. But in all of this lengthened conflict, he concealed from her his purpose, and also his countenance, never showing himself to her in visions as had been usual. 471. But at the end of fourteen days of this stormy voyage, her divine son deigned to descend and visit her in person, he appeared upon the sea, and saying, My dearest mother, I am with thee in tribulation. This vision and the words of the Lord, ineffably consoling on all occasions, were especially consoling to the most blessed mother in this extremity, because help is more welcome in necessity. She adored her son and God, and answered, My God, and only good of my soul, whom the winds and the sea obey. Matthew 8.27 Behold, my son, our affliction. Let not the works of thy hands perish. The Lord said to her, My mother and my dove, from thee have I received human form. Therefore I desire that all my creatures obey thy orders. Command them as the mistress of all, for they are subject to thy will. The most pretty mother had desired the Lord to command the waves as he had done in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. But the occasion was different, since at that time there is no one else but he to command the winds and the sea. The heavenly Mary therefore obeyed, and in the name of her divine Son, she first commanded Lucifer and his hosts instantly to leave the Mediterranean and cease to harass it. Immediately they fled in the direction of Palestine, for she had not commanded them to hell. 
not wishing to put an end to the battle. The enemies having retired, she commanded the waters and the winds to subside. They immediately obeyed, becoming tranquil and serene in the shortest space of time, to the great astonishment of the passengers, who knew not the cause of this sudden change. Christ the Lord took leave of his mother, having filled her with benedictions and joy, and told her to disembark on the next day. Thus it also happened, for on the fifteenth day after their embarkation, they arrived happily at port and left the ship. Our queen and mistress gave thanks to the Almighty for these benefits, and offered him songs of thanksgiving and praise, for having saved her from the dreadful dangers. In this also the evangelist joined, and the Blessed Mother thanked him for having accompanied her in her hardships. She asked his blessing, and then they both set out for Jerusalem. 472. The holy angels accompanied their queen and lady in battle array, as I have said. For also, the demons were awaiting her arrival, resolved to continue the conflict as soon as she had reached the shore. With incredible fury, they led on the assault by suggesting various temptations against all the virtues. But all their darts fell back upon themselves. They can make no breach in this Tower of David, of which the spouse says that it is furnished with the thousand shields and all the arms of the strong, Canticle 4.4, and that it is fortified by towers of silver. Before entering her house in Jerusalem, the great lady in her piety and devotion yearned to visit the sacred spots consecrated by our redemption, which was also the last thing she had done on leaving the city. But as St. Peter, at whose call she had come, was waiting, and as she knew the proper order to be maintained in all the virtues, she preferred obedience to her private devotions. Accordingly, she betook herself directly to the house of the Seneca, where St. Peter then stayed, and falling on her knees before him, she asked for his blessing and begged his pardon for not having complied sooner with his command. She sought his hand in order to kiss it as that of the high priest, but she did not lay the blame for her delay on the storm, nor did she mention any other circumstances in excuse. Only from the accounts furnished to him afterwards by St. John, did St. Peter learn of the hardships encountered on the voyage. The vicar of our Savior and all the disciples and faithful of Jerusalem received their teacher and mistress with indescribable joy, reverence, and love. And they prostrated themselves at her feet, thanking her for having come to fill them with gladness and consolation, and live where they could see and serve her. This concludes our reading today for day number 331. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 464, to 472. In our reading today, we hear of Mary's journey as she returns to Jerusalem. She was in Ephesus for two years and a half. On this journey, we also heard that they encountered troubled waters and that it was by the power of God through the intercession of Mary that eventually the sea calmed down. In a moment of desperation, St. John goes to Our Lady. And remember, it's St. John who writes about the wedding feast at Cana in his gospel, so he knows that Mary went to Jesus and made him aware that they have no wine. And so here John is. He says, My lady, what is this? Are we to perish at sea? Beseech thy divine Son to look upon us with the eyes of a father and to defend us in this tribulation. John is going to Mary and saying, make Jesus aware of this situation. We need his help. We need his assistance. And the God who calms the storms at the seas indeed calms these storms as well. As we read this today and reflect about it, I think 
We can often analogize our own life to a storm. That we can analogize our life to a ship on water. That sometimes the ship is just going, 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 encountering no problems at all. But then at times the waters begin to become rough and you take on water and you need help and you need assistance. And so you cry out to God. And like St. John who went to Our Lady, well now we know that we can go to Our Lady in those struggles as well. It's why so often people pray the Hail Mary in times of trouble and desperation, because they know that Mary will pray for them, that she will intercede for them, that she will look upon them like a child, that she will be a mother to them. Mary encounters all of the temptations of the devil, all the ways that the devil is trying to ruin her and the mission of Christ. But she is stronger than that. She overcomes it. And so can we. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.